I want to extend my welcome to you as well. Um, it is good to have you with us today and um, wanted to say um, welcome. Wanted to also invite you, if you're new, to uh, go and fill out our connection card at, at cobrookline.org slash connect. Uh, we'd love to just be able to follow up with you. Uh, we realize everyone who's watching right now, um, like we're, we're just in many different phases, many different states. Some of us are, you know, uh, doing okay. Some are, are doing, you know, even well-ish. Um, and some are having a hard time. It's just a difficult time, especially if you don't feel connected. And uh, let's face it, this is not a great way to connect. This is just a temporary means until we're able to gather together again, but uh, being able to connect with you uh, and serve you uh, is, a, is a high priority for us. So if uh, if you're new uh, or if there's a way we can pray for you, uh, you can go and just fill that out on our website. We would appreciate it. A couple of uh, things I wanted to hit before we get to the message today. First, uh, in 2021, um, I am going to be leading a, uh, a Bible reading plan. Uh, for the church, uh, and it is it's going to be through the New Testament and the Book of Genesis, and and what I'm what I'm, my goal with this is if you're real regular in God's Word and you read through God's Word each year, you read three or four chapters a day, and that's fairly consistent for you. This may not be uh, ideal for you. This is really for people who have maybe struggled to have a consistent time or who've never actually taken been able to read through the whole New Testament. And uh, one of the great things I love about this plan is that it is a 25-day-a-month reading plan. So it's one chapter a day, literally five minutes, uh, but it's also just 25 days a month, giving uh, off days, giving days if you miss because of work or whatever. Uh, you can you can stay with us and stay in sync with us uh, through that. We're going to be uh, we're going to be in a group together. There's going to be I'm going to be actually sharing some of my, what what God's speaking to me and saying to me through the scripture. Uh, we're going to be on a, have a Slack channel where you can share, share scripture, what God's saying to you. You can ask questions. I'll be interacting there. I'll be sharing resources, inspiration, encouragement. And this is a way for us to gather, to journey through the New Testament with the goal of, of drawing closer to Christ uh, by really seeing the story of Jesus's life, death, resurrection in the early church. And then also that we uh, we would build in this discipline, and discipline's not a fun word, but it's a hugely important word, um, and that is a habit of being in God's word on a consistent basis. So uh, you can go to our website, uh, coabrookline.org uh, slash Bible 2021, uh, coabrookline.org slash Bible 2021, and you can register there. We'll have lots of, we'll put that out in lots of different ways. So if you missed it, just missed it, don't worry about it. It'll be in, on our website. It'll be in our uh, email um, update. It'll be in our social media. So we're going to pub this pretty hard over the next few weeks, but I encourage you to consider signing up for that uh, and journeying with me through the New Testament and the book of Genesis this next year. Uh, also wanted to highlight last week I introduced our end of the year giving focus. Uh, we, we set a goal of $135,000 as a church for the, the year, uh, for this December. Uh, and what we do normally is take 10% of that and goes to some of our local partners and our international partners. So um, that is, that's right off the bat. We as a church have budgeted 10% to, to go to uh, missions and partners outside of our church which uh, is just a way of us valuing them. Uh, but this month, we wanted to set aside another 10% of that, meaning 20%, uh, that would go, this other 10% would go to help those who are uh, enduring, uh, suffering under COVID right now, been impacted by COVID. And I shared last week, we'll be partnering, we're partnering 5% with Nepal. 
Uh, and that is a, uh, a partnership that we're actually developing that's going to be both towards church planting and, and it looks like medical uh, ministry as well, medical missions. And so uh, we would have already had a trip over there by now, but it looks like maybe fall of 2021 or, or so we'll, we'll have a trip over there to explore that partnership more. Uh, but we are already connected with a ministry that is boots on the ground, uh, that has uh, that, that has a goal of of planting four thousand indigenous churches by twenty thirty among the, the the Nepalese people, and just so you understand, Nepal is a nation. There are three hundred and eighty uh, people groups in this in in the nation of Nepal. Ninety three percent of which are completely unreached, meaning there is no church. There's, there are few, if any, Christians uh, in those contexts. And one people group, the Ansari people, have a population of 42,000, and there's not a, one recorded Christian among them. And we believe that the, the way the gospel has spread for 2,000 years is a believer is able to share the message. This isn't a strong arm. This isn't a manipulation. This isn't a trying to, to you know, uh, somehow uh, uh, overpower people's cultures. It is about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and leaving the results to God and what happens. So, uh, But when there's not a one person among 42,000 that can share the gospel in their language and in their culture, that breaks my heart. I believe it breaks the heart of Jesus. And so we're going to be stepping in with them with 5% and then another 5% to a local uh, local pastors and churches that have been deeply impacted by COVID. Uh, I shared about one pastor last week, um, and we've already sent him a little bit of money out of our budget. We didn't want to wait till the month was up to support them. So we've already uh, pulled some money out of that other 10% pool uh, so that we can support them. And then we'll, we'll try to support them after uh, the holidays as well. Uh, but one pa- another pastor I, I was in uh, indirect contact with this week through another pastor uh, is in a lower income community outside of Boston, just outside of the city. Uh, and he works uh, nights uh, cleaning office buildings. He makes $2,300 a month uh, to support his family. And uh, so he can actually uh, uh, lead this church he planted a few years ago. And um, he's, he's having a challenging time. This other pastor I know who knows him said that he's, he's worried about providing uh, much of a Christmas for his kids. So we are going to be sending a, a check this, this week to them. Um, not going to be a ton, but it's going to be a little. To just go ahead and maybe help bless them a little. And then we want to, to give out of that pool that we take up the rest of this month as a church uh, to support them. So I encourage you to pray about that. Uh, it's also an important time to consider what you're giving, what you give regularly, because we are switching over our platform, our giving platform from CCB to uh, Church Center. And uh, you can learn more about that on our website called brookline.org slash give. But if you have a recurring gift set up, you've had one set up, you need to cancel that and restart, uh, start this new gift um, through through our new giving portal, which can also be through our app. So we're, again, lots of information being shared about that, but encourage you to uh, pray about how God would like you to give this month. Um, all right, so the message today, we'll be having our Q&A at the end. Uh, you can text your questions in to 617-942-0753 anytime during the message or right to the end of our worship time today. Uh, so I, I love those questions. We've had some good ones. Encourage you to, uh, to, to um, send in your questions for that. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 7, and we are looking at verses 13 through 20 today. And I'll get there in a moment, but um, before I get there, you may or may never not have heard the name Yogi Berra. Um, 
Yogi Berra is one of the most well-known baseball players and managers in in American baseball history. Uh, he played for 19 years. He won 18 all. He was an All Star 18 times, and he won 10 World Series with a team from New York, which shall not be named at this time. Uh, he also, when he went on to manage, he did something that's very rare. He managed both an American League and a National League team and led them to the World Series. So this guy's an amazingly legitimate ball player. But one of the funny things is he's probably more culturally well-known for his uh, what's called yogiisms or his funny sayings. He was a sharp, witty guy, uh, and you may have heard some of these over the years. Um, 90% of baseball is mental. The other half is physical. Another one, it ain't over till it's over. He's the one that came up with that. Uh, It's deja vu all over again. (laughs) Always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't go to yours. And then one that's always stuck with me, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, that's exactly what Jesus is really forcing us to do. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, up to this point, Jesus has been has been creating the, this picture of two different ways of living. He's been contrasting living in the kingdom and living in this world. And what he's do, done is, is picture these two ways. And then in this last part of the Sermon on the Mount, these last 20 verses or so, which are weighty and some of Jesus' most um, just weighty, significant words, he, uh, he really forces us. He's, he says, like, you're, you're choosing one way or the other. There is no third alternative. And so as we have a, he's pushing us to, to a fork in the road where we decide either Jesus is wrong and I'm just going to do what I want to do, or Jesus is right and he's Lord. I'm going to follow him. And so uh, that's really what he's picturing uh, in this passage that we're looking at today is two ways to live. And he doesn't want anyone to be confused about what that means. Uh, and, and, and so we focused on sharp contrasts. Um, he, this week, it's the broad and the narrow road pictured by good and bad fruit. Next week, it's salvation by religious works uh, versus salvation by faith. And then the final message is building your house on the sand or building your house on the rock. So follow along as I read Matthew seven thirteen through 20. And when I'm done, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I invite you to join me in saying thanks be to God. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, uh, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what we see here are, are two roads, are two gates, two roads, two destinations, two types of fruit, and two groups of people that are pictured throughout this whole story. And, and what we're going to see here is that, that we are all on a road to somewhere. We are all on a road to somewhere. And we can be misled when it comes to the road we're on, right? So um, let's talk about the first one first. We are all on a road to somewhere. One way to think about roads is, 
are is stories, narratives. These are these are the stories that we live by, the the the, the framework that we we tell the world, uh, tell ourselves what the world is about, or at least our life is about. It tells us what what the meaning and purpose of life is. It tells us what's wrong with the world. It tells us what our hope is, um, and it tells us where we're ultimately going. The problem is most people don't stop and think about the story that they're living in, that, that they've adopted for themselves. Um, even, uh, even, it's interesting, even the person who intentionally chooses to say, I'm not going to live like there's any meaning and purpose, is still adopting a narrative for their own life, and that is, there is no meaning and purpose. See, we all live by a story. And Jesus is saying this broad road has lots of different stories, lots of different ways. Um, ultimately, it's up to you. It's a, uh, you just decide for yourself. And it's, an, it's a self-centered uh, way uh, of living life. It is, uh, I am the center. I will live my life my way. I will choose my meaning. I will live my own truth. And in the end, it will end up where I want it to. And Jesus is saying that's not true. You can choose your own story along the way, but the destination for, for the broad road is the same. I don't know if anybody else uh, read them. When I was, a, I was a kid, I read the Choose Your Own Adventure stories. Uh, they're still around some today, but uh, you know, the, if you're not familiar, that you, know, you read along in a narrative and a story, and then you come to a point where you have to decide, does the character do this or does the character do that? And so you get to, to choose, and then it'll say, you know, hey, turn to this page if you choose this, turn to this page if you choose that. And so it follows this pattern um, and it's amazing, you know, as a kid, I used to sometimes not like the way the story ended up, so I'd just kind of back up, and I would choose another route. Um, I know, I'm the only one, right? Uh, but but Choose Your Own Adventure was was interesting, because your your steps could could lead you into all kinds of different places. Well, Jesus says that, that the broad road is a choose-your-own-adventure, but the destination is the same. The ultimate destination, Jesus says, is the road to destruction, while Jesus is saying the broad road is choose your own adventure, um, it is ultimately uh, destined in destruction. Uh, the gate, he says, the gate is wide, the way is easy. Many are fo- many follow it, and it leads to destruction. The question is, who are the many people on this road? What do these people look like? Well, you have irreligious people who don't care about God or about Jesus or about the Bible or anything, uh, and or any religion. And then you have have people who are religious as well. And Jesus is often picturing these people in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He's picturing that their religion and what they do is ultimately worthless. It's 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 same as the 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 people in the good fruit bad fruit example, right? That we're going to get to in just a moment. These are people who are are have their own religious deal going. Um, and and so you have irreligious, you have religious people. And it's not that the broad path is just for all the bad people and the, and the, the, the narrow paths for the good people. Uh, no, in fact, the Bible says we are all bad. And there are many people that are on the broad path that we as human beings would look at and we would vote as a good person externally, right? And, and there are people on the broad path that, that we would vote and say, that's a bad person, but the problem is we don't judge. We are not the ultimate judge. God is the ultimate judge. And when God looks at the human heart, um, apart from grace, apart from Christ, apart from forgiveness, apart from mercy, all he sees is sin. And that sin shows up in our, all of our lives. 
Um, what does this broad road require of us? It requires nothing. It's whatever you want. It's the easy road, right? It's natural for us. It is the direction we find ourselves naturally pulled towards. It's like a, um, it's like a flight with unlimited luggage, right? Um, I don't know if you probably haven't flown a lot in the last seven months, eight months, but uh, you know, back when we used to fly uh, more, the you know you, these airlines are getting so they're charging for everything now. Oh, you'd like to wear a shirt while you're on the plane? That'll be twenty dollars. You know, oh here, you know, charge you for carry on, charge you for your personal item, charge you for uh, a checked bag. Oh, you want a seat? You want a seat on the plane? Well, that's going to be another forty bucks. Um, so they charge you for all these things, right? Um, but but this broad road is is bring your own luggage. Bring nothing, bring everything, all you want, whatever you want, whenever you want it. And that's why the broad road is easy. That's why many are on this road. No limitations, just seeming freedom. And see, while there is freedom on the journey of the broad road, seeming freedom, there is only one destination. And that's the, the, the problem, right? Is that in the moment, the broad road seems to be the smart road, the easy road, the path of least resistance, right? But it's also the path that leads to destruction. The narrow gate is only wide enough for one person. The term narrow literally means very restricted or a tiny space. It's, it's only wide enough for one person to go on, unlike the, the broad road, which is many people traveling on it. You can think of it as, you know, riding the T back in the day before COVID when, when we, you know, during rush hour and you would pile on the T and, you know, everybody was just kind of doing their thing. Some people listening to music, some people uh, reading a book, some people staring at other people awkwardly. Some people were hanging out with friends and talking while they're riding and they're all going to in the same direction. And that's exactly what the broad road is like. The road is wide and easy. It's attractive, inclusive, indulgent, permissive, and it is self-oriented. But Jesus commands, this is why Jesus commands, enter by the narrow gate, enter through the narrow gate. This is an imperative. He's saying, listen, this broad road is easy. It's it's full. It's it's the, the, the natural bent of your heart, but Pressed to enter by the narrow gate. Do what you must to find, to enter by the narrow gate. Walk the road less traveled. Pursue the narrow, narrow gate, the difficult road. The question is why? Well, it's two reasons. Jesus says, first, the road leads to a gate called eternal life. Narrow is the, the, the road that leads to eternal life, to the, to the gate that leads to eternal life. And secondly, the road is difficult, and so few find it. So he has, we have to be challenged. We have to be told, listen, this, there, there's the broad road that's easy, but there's this narrow road that leads to life. And the, the gate uh, is the path to, uh, is the door to life there. And, and this narrow road, this narrow, this small gate is, is not found by many. Jesus is warning us, be serious. Take this uh, as a weighty warning from him. What is the narrow gate that leads to life? Well, it's Jesus. It's the gospel. It's why we as a church every single week highlight the gospel as one of our core values, which we could argue is our ultimate core value. It's the gospel. It's the good news that that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God. We can find that gate to life. Jesus is, in, in John, he says, I am the door, Right? But the problem is that that people still want to manipulate Jesus. They still want to make Jesus, the the narrow way, the difficult way, a little bit easier. 
I think about uh, 10 years ago, I watched a video by Francis Chan that really impacted me in a very deep way. Um, and it's just called The Middle Road. And I wanted to cue that up for you guys so we could watch that briefly together. Now, just watch along. I've had where, where uh, you, you know, people have said, you know, one guy, been in my church for like 15 years, ever since it started. I thought I was one of the key guys. And, and he comes to me, you know, just, just not too long ago. And he goes, you, you know, Francis, here's the problem with you. He goes, you think everyone needs to be this radical. You, you think that Jesus calls us all to be radicals. He, he, goes, he goes, you know, you, you think there's just these, these few radicals. And, and, and he goes, you know, there's this, you got to understand, there's, a, there's this middle road where, where, you know, people, you know, they profess Christ and they do some good things. And it's like you're, 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 you're neglecting that whole middle road. Did you guys know that? There's a narrow road that leads to life. There's a wide road that leads to destruction. And now there's this new middle road. See, I didn't know that. Like a carpool lane. It's just this weird new road we created where you can just do some good things in the name of Jesus and still hold. It's, it's, you know, you know you're, just, you're serious right now. You're dead serious. You found a middle road. I, I, you guys, I, I, I'm not a real, you got to understand, those who know me know that I'm not a real complicated guy. I, I, I tend to think like a kid. I tend to just go, wow, that seems like what it says. You know, I, I, I remember when, uh, when I was a kid, we used to play this game called Follow the Leader. Remember that? I mean, some of you guys don't because you just played video games. And you, 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 but... We play this game called Follow the Leader, where the leader, you know, flaps his wings and you do the same thing. And it was easy. You, you just do what the leader did. And it's so weird how in the church we've twisted this. And follow Jesus is a different game. You don't really have to flap your wings. You don't accent. You can just sit there and do it in your heart. Seriously. You know, when I read the scriptures, says, man, whoever claims to, to, to know him must, must walk as Jesus walked. But we go, well, no, I'm doing that in my heart. You're like the kid sitting on the recliner going, no, I'm flapping my wings in my heart. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's, 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 it, we, we distort things because of what we want. You know, remember, remember Simon says? That was easy, right? Simon says, pat your head. But Jesus says it's a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you, you, you just have to memorize it. That's what we do in the church. If Jesus says, you just got to study it. You, you, just gotta, you, you just have to be able to quote it in the Greek. You, you just, it's, 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 it has nothing to do with, hey, Jesus says. You go, look, look, when my daughter you know, comes to me and I go, look, go clean your room. She knows better than to come back a few hours later and goes, Dad, I memorized what you said. <clears throat> I can say it in Greek. In fact, some of my friends, we're gonna, they're going to come over and we're going to do a little study on what it would look like to clean my room. It just, it's not making sense to me. And, and all I can say is that we're twisting things. We do, we do in the church and we, we create this little way where we don't actually have to do what Jesus called.
So that's just a reminder for us that we, we don't get to create this new middle road where it's comfortable. Jesus is always calling us to greater obedience, always calling us to, to, the, to a difficult path. If you find yourself finding the Christian life to be very easy, um, you might be at, at a point of just sort of temporary real joy and, uh, and, and God doing something extraordinary in your life. But the majority of the Christian life uh, is God slowly uh, grinding away our sin as we follow Jesus on the narrow path. Uh, and so Jesus is warning us, we're all on a road to somewhere and we have to ask ourselves the question, am I on the narrow road or am I on the broad road? Um, but he also warns us that we can be misled we can be misled. Look at verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Uh, the word ravenous here is, is an interesting word in the original language. It means that they're, just, they're empty and they're just trying whatever they can to fill up themselves. It's, um, and in their situation, they're doing religious things. These are uh, people who appear to be following Jesus, but inwardly uh, are ravenous for other things. They're not for Jesus. They're ultimately for themselves. Um, for some, you know, it's the praise of others. They want people to respect them, to accept them, to approve them. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about these religious people. And as we've I've said, their, their religion is worthless. Like it, they're, they're really living on the broad road, but they're living on the broad road in the context of, of the church. So they're trying to do their own deal where, where they get affirmation, they get a lot of ease and, and, and aren't challenged to do anything. And false teachers are dangerous for us, uh, for those that are on the narrow road, because they will teach us and tell us things that we want to hear. Uh, this is what we see uh, Paul warning, even in like 2 Timothy. He's, he's warning about in the end, people will surround themselves with teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And, and this is what these false leaders are doing. So Jesus warns them, uh, warns us, look at their fruit. Verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered by thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bear good, bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Uh, so the imagery Jesus is using here uh, made a lot more sense in his culture in that time. In, uh, in, in ancient Palestine during that time, there were certain thorn bushes called buckhorn, which uh, when, when you're just looking at them, they had little black berries that uh, until you get really close to them, they, they can look like grapes. Um, but they weren't, right? And, and the thistles, which Jesus referred to, um, he may have been referring to the ones that had this, this flower uh, shaped uh, a bit like a fig. And as you're walking up to it or coming close to it, you might think that it was actually a fig, but it was a, a flower on a thorn bush. And the point is that there may be a superficial resemblance between truth and, 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 and that which is false, um, but G and Jesus is saying, you need to test this. You need to see this. You need to, uh, to, to be able to judge between what is right and what is wrong in this situation. Uh, it doesn't matter how great the leader is, how uh, convincing they are, no matter how much sense they make, you have to be able to weigh it, which again is one of the reasons why we need to know scripture so that we can discern truth and error. Uh, otherwise, we leave ourselves susceptible to being led astray. Now, let's just make this real practical. What are some um, 
you know, bad fruit or false teachers' teachings in, in the church today in our particular context and culture? Well, I think there's a few, uh, a few ideas that come to mind. One is um, around the idea of the self. So rather than seeing ourselves, as, as Scripture would teach us, as made in the image of God, every person having dignity, value, and worth because of that, um, the, and, 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 and seeing ourselves in the light of God's love and in the light of God's grace that God sent his son Jesus to die for us. So it magnifies his love and displays what he feels about us. Um, it is all about yourself. It's all about your self-esteem. And so this gospel of self-esteem is, is pandered out to Christians that God is absolutely enamored with you and that he couldn't even imagine having heaven without you because you are awesome. And so he sent his son Jesus to get in on your awesomeness. Uh, do you see how this is slightly different? It's, 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 it's this idea that God is there to ultimately serve you, to help you achieve your hopes and dreams in life, rather than understanding that your identity as a person and your understanding of yourself should be rooted and wrapped up in who God is and what he has said. Fundamental difference, but it sounds good. People are told the best thing you can do is feel good about yourself. And it's pandered in churches this morning. Another area that's... that. Uh, there are, uh, there are uh, false doctrines, false prophets leading around. It's the idea of sex, that, that, that sex, as God has defined it, as a gift to be enjoyed in the context of a lifelong covenant marriage between a man and a woman is outdated and uh, is, really, um, you know, is really restrictive. And then, in fact, sex is, is far more than just a small part of what it means to be human, to have sexual desires. It is essential and intrinsic and inherent to your very sense of identity. Your sexual desires are, are intricately intertwined with your very sense of who you are as a person. And it's not up to God to decide what's best for you. Only you can decide what's best for you. And in fact, uh, you know, your, the, the experience of sex is, only, uh, is, is particularly tied to what it means to be human and to live a fully human life. And if you can't experience that, if you're limited in that in any way, then you are limited as a human. And this is infiltrating the church. It is. <clears throat> uh, another one is what I call just right doctrine. This is the group of people who believe that um, knowledge about God is actually greater than, than obedience to God. And so the idea is, if I have all the right beliefs, if I have all the right knowledge, um, then, then that's really what the Christian life is about. And so it's, it's, it's simply about studying more and more here, as, as what Francis Chan said, uh, was highlighting, you know, about studying the Bible, not following Jesus in this world. Listen, biblical knowledge is meant to do two things in us. One, it is, it is meant to cause us to love God more, which means killing our sin, killing, uh, making us more like Jesus, right? Um, and then it's also meant to, for us to love others more. So the, the, the knowledge of God's word is only, uh, is only meant for the purpose of changing our lives. It's not meant to increase our information in our head. And in fact, people who increase information in their head, but who do not grow in living that out are actually increasing their judgment because they're saying, I know more and more and more and more that I'm not doing. So this emphasis on right doctrine. And then finally, I would say there's this emphasis or this, this false teaching, it's just, I could just call it political idolatry. Um, we see it where where politics is as a Christian. Politics is a sphere 
of, of, of civic life, of what it means to live in, in community with other people, Christian and non-Christian, and, and it has value. It has its place. It has its importance. Um, but, but what we see is, is that politics is now seen as this absolutely essential tool for the kingdom of God. That in fact, we will fight harder. We will go to the mat longer and more diligently uh, over, over political battles than we will over spiritual ones. Um, and, and what it does is it fails to recognize uh, church history, the early church, church history, Christians around the world today who are uh, where the church is thriving and growing and multiplying and there's joy and there's community and there's depth there. And it is not happening in community where all the lo- right laws are being passed or where all the right candidates are getting into office. Again, I'm not saying politics doesn't have its place. But sin takes that politics and makes it into an idol, and now it's necessary to the kingdom of God, that God's up in heaven going, we just got to get the right candidate, and if we get the right candidate in, then I can get some stuff done. And that is idolatry, because it's reducing the church to be contingent on the, the, the political sphere it's in, and it has never been that way. It is, in fact, politics that's contingent on the will of God. So I see those, that happening in, in, in those four areas in our culture, in, our, in churches, more and more. And Paul and Jesus is saying, beware of these false teachings. They can easily grab our attention. They can steer us away from the gospel. Uh, and they can look like good fruit. But it ultimately, when we weigh it against scripture, when we weigh it against Jesus's words himself, it doesn't hold up. So as I close, uh, we're all on a road to somewhere. You right now, sitting wherever you are watching this, are on the road to somewhere. Um, and, and Jesus said, there's only two roads. There's the broad road and the narrow road. Uh, and I think he would he'd have us to think about which one we're on. And also, if we think we are on the narrow road, living by the narrow road, are we being misled? Are we buying into false prophets, false leaders that are not making everything about Jesus, but ultimately about other things? Are they contradicting scripture? This is what Jesus is warning us about. This is what Jesus is calling us to. And today, as I close, I, I wanna invite you, if you've never uh, put your faith in Christ, if you've never trusted Christ, look to Christ as that door, as the gate to eternal life, then today you can. He invites you. That's the beauty of this. The narrow, anyone on the broad road at any moment can believe, can turn and be on the narrow road with Christ. And the invitation is available to you today. Um, you can bow your head right now in this moment and you can pray to Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we come before you, um, we know these words are hard that you have given us. Um, they're weighty. They have consequences. And I pray that we would not just quickly flip flip on to the next thing in our lives, but would let these words rest on us. Would that we would hear them with your breath through your spirit. Would that our hearts would be, be stirred to toward Christ today. We need it. We need you to keep us, to draw us, to put us on the narrow way. In your name we pray. Amen.